0: This is A Fresh Agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here is your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda, where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Welcome to this spot in the podcast universe. Glad to have you here for a while this show is about having some deeper and more positive conversations on topics of creativity and motivation to explore how people create or build their businesses or innovate in their industries This is episode number 74, and we're going to talk today to Jason Redman, retired Naval officer and U.S. Navy SEAL. He is the chief motivational officer for soft-spoken, Eagle Rise speakers, New York Times bestselling author of The Trident, and he has a new book that's coming out next month. It's called Overcome, and he's going to talk a little bit about that. He talks about these life ambushes that we all experience, and, and uh, he knows all about overcoming adversity, and you're going to learn more about that. When you think of a Navy SEAL, uh, you think of someone who has discipline, first and foremost, right? Unbending loyalty, perfection in execution, and all of the hard work it takes to make all of those things come natural. Navy SEALs can't claim burnout. They can't have a bad day on a mission. They must make those split decisions that can mean life or death, even during their own training when they're not even facing an enemy because some of that training in itself is pretty dangerous. So what do you do when you feel like your own discipline is lagging? Now granted, no one is asking most of us to hunt down a terrorist, but discipline is a major part of our success in our personal and professional lives. If you're going to achieve discipline, there are lots of things you have to do. Here are a few. You have to know your weaknesses, You have to set clear goals and execute a plan. You have to change your perception about your own willpower. Your internal conceptions control this, not anything externally to you. And you have to give yourself the best chance to succeed. No self-sabotage. You have to avoid what author Stephen Pressfield calls resistance. I was reminded of this concept again. I met a man this week. Uh, he's writing a book, he's creating a curriculum for personal finance, and he's actually in a book club with Stephen Pressfield. Which, if you aren't impressed, go read anything by Stephen Pressfield, and you will be. Anyway, this gentleman gave me a copy of The War of Art, and I have read it, but I'm rereading it and just finding the brilliance in it all over again. But one of his major concepts is discipline, and that anything that challenges discipline is called resistance. Resistance is that voice that uh, stops you from your greatest work and your greatest goal. And he says the way to combat it is to decide that you are a professional and act as a professional does. I have a daughter who's in her, her early 20s and she's in a new position. She's a marketing director for a company. It's a big job for her. It's the biggest job she's had so far. And she's navigating it very well. But when I talk to her sometimes, you know, especially during the beginning when she first got the job, you could hear that resistance creeping in sometimes. it's a, It's the kind of imposter syndrome that all of us go through early in our careers. But when you decide you're a professional, you are no longer an amateur. So resistance is futile. Be the professional you are, professionals are disciplined. Just like our guest today, Jason Redman. It was an honor to get to know him. We're going to dig into not only the discipline it takes to be a Navy SEAL, but what kind of creative mind exists in one of our nation's most well-trained warriors. Before we get to his interview, let me tell you about some professionals that I've enjoyed getting to know. New Age Aerial. I recently did a project with them in downtown Sacramento. I was so impressed. I needed aerial coverage for a big announcement, huge news conference for um, one of my clients. And Dave and his team showed up early. They had two amazing drones. They gave me tons of gorgeous shots of the construction of the city. They captured the big announcement perfectly. And they took care of all of the licenses and the flight planning and notifications that are all required with a shoot like this. They got me the video fast. Then Dave sent me amazing time lapses that he's been doing lately. Just gorgeous. So if you need still pictures or video for a film, a project, a real estate um, you know, piece of property that maybe you're trying to sell, or even like a wedding, HD, 4K time-lapse, whatever you need. Dave will exceed your expectations. Give him and his team a call at New Age Ariel. Look him up online at newageaerial.com, or, like I said, give him a call, 916-645-3474. Okay, let's meet New York Times best-selling author of The Trident, and author of the upcoming book called Overcome, Jason Redman. Jason Redman joins me now. I want to thank you for your time. We appreciate you being here.
1: Christina, I'm honored to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, uh, so I, I just have to ask you first about this uh, recent raid uh, and the uh, the death of um, Al Baghdadi. I wanted to ask you, as you watched that as a as a you know retired SEAL, what were you most interested in when the news came out?
1: Well, I tell you, my first thing that I thought of is what a tremendous success, not only for our nation but also for the the unit that actually did that actual takedown. Which at the time I didn't know who was so I mean I wondered if it was our guys um, and obviously we found out later it was an army unit but I, I know how complex and how dangerous missions like that can be. Uh, When you are going up the the top tier of ISIS or Al-Qaeda, any of those individuals that are extreme zealots, you're getting into the arena where those individuals are typically willing to fight to the death, and they will put up a heck of a fight. Uh, It's pretty rare that we can take down a target like that, that we don't have some form of casualties to our people. So when I heard that they had managed to do this, that they had managed to take Uh, Baghdadi out, or he took the coward's way out, uh, and we did it without really sustaining any injuries, I thought, wow, what an amazing victory. I mean, those guys just did did such a good job, obviously, in the mission planning, the mission execution, obviously, all the three-letter agencies that contributed the intelligence that led up to this and, and for that final... Uh, what we call execute authority, to make it happen. So I just was, I was proud. I knew what an amazing impact it was to uh, get rid of Baghdadi. I mean, what a ruthless, vile, violent human being. Uh, And it was just, it was a good day. I love seeing when... um, you know, when American forces are utilized in the right manner, executing the right missions, taking out the right people that are deadly and a direct threat to the American people and our other interests abroad.
0: As someone who ran these kind of missions, what kind of planning goes into it? What kind of coordination is needed? I mean, did the teams just work so closely together that, I mean, you you know what the, what the guy next to you is going to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this level, and you have to think that we are probably the most tactically and battlefield proficient force in the history of the world at this point. I mean, we have been at war for over 18 years. Our special operations forces have carried the brunt of this war. Our top-tier units have probably done tens of thousands of missions. And the thing is, the, the, the mission um, details may change um, you know, the actual structure, the layout of the structure, the amount of enemy on it, all those different things. But the tactics that they utilize do not. Um, You know, they'll they'll just switch things up based on what they know. And the great thing is they've been doing it so long, Christina, just like you said, they are able to read off each other and adapt to the situation incredibly quickly on the ground uh, to be able to execute that mission. So, you know, I'll stay away from any of the direct tactics. I will just say that uh, at that level, both with our training and the amount of combat experience we have, they're able to flow very effortlessly and adapt very quickly two very dynamic and dangerous
0: targets. During your time um, with the military, uh, what kind of technology must you have seen come into play? And were there times when new technology would be presented to you and you thought, oh, this is a game changer. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it is amazing. Uh, So we'll go back to the very beginning of my career and then when we get to the current date, I'm not going to get into details. But what I will say is, Uh, I stepped into the military in 92, and we only had a computer in our platoon hut. In my very first platoon, we only had a computer for doing administrative work. Uh, Fast forward, only in about a three-year period, we moved to where we were carrying uh, Toughbook computers, uh, satellite communications, we were carrying digital cameras, and we were able to transmit imagery Uh, you know, through satellites around the world. I mean, it was incredible how quickly, and it has exponentially grown since then. Uh, The things that our special operations troops and our military as a whole are bringing to the battlefield are absolutely amazing. It is game-changing. And I am fascinated at what the future will hold, uh, you know, another 20, 30 years down the road, what future wars are going to look like. Now, I will say this. At the end of the day, I don't think we'll ever be able to replace a thinking individual on the ground. Um, I, I I just I don't think that will ever happen. But right now, technology is doing some amazing things, and it's really saving lives.
0: In your new life now, you made your pivot after leaving the military, retiring from the military, into a motivational speaker, best-selling author. It's a very public-facing entrepreneurial effort you are now engaged in versus what you did in the military, which was very behind closed doors, very secretive, very um, not in the public eye. How has that been for you?
1: It's been good, and it's been a transition. I'll be honest, uh, I think one of the biggest hurdles I've had is really getting myself out there. Um, And and my transition was a little different. I I was a little hesitant getting out there. Uh, I ran a nonprofit to help Wounded Warriors for quite a few years before I phased that down in 2018. At about that same time, I met a a business mentor who is a speaker who runs a very successful business and coaching program, and he told me, he said, hey, you're going to have to get yourself out there more. You're going to have to embrace social media more. I mean, it's just the state of the world that you live in. He said, you have an amazing message, and that was hard for me because... Although I was out there, I wasn't actively pushing myself out there. And I think these are some of the things that in life we have to learn how to adapt to the environment we're working in. I mean, I definitely learned that in the military, but it was harder for me to make that transition. And, um, you know, it just it is what it is. I'm beginning to learn from it, and I will say that, uh, you know, there are some in the military, specifically in special operations, that don't agree with that. They don't like seeing some of us out there um Uh, With any kind of message, but the bottom line, I make sure that I never speak about things that I shouldn't speak about. I stay close to our community, and I try to do a good job to represent our community in the right light to both motivate and inspire, A, future young warriors, kids like me when I was my age and decided I want to be a warrior, and bigger than that, to take so many of the intangible lessons you learn on the battlefield about leadership and teamwork and resiliency and communication and all these things that so many companies out there are starving for, and to be able to take these things and deliver a very relatable message to companies, teams, organizations, and individuals to make a substantial impact.
0: So as you go through this, you have been finding that there are so many transferable skills, I'm sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, so often when I speak, you know, there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of military members out there that, that speak and they have incredible stories. I mean, oh my God, like movies are made about their stories, but they may not always have the ability to take their story and make it relatable to the audience. It is an entertaining story. But I think the biggest thing where you can make a difference in this world is if you can take your story, I call it a story with a purpose, and you can make it relatable to the audience, that they walk away. And not only are they entertained and and, um, inspired by the story, but there are key specific touch points that they can carry back into their job and into their life, into their family, and apply them to be... to be a better human being. And that's one of the big things that I've focused on. I try and tell people, look, you know, don't come into this thinking, oh, my God, this guy's a Navy SEAL. I could never be a Navy SEAL. You know, that may or may not be true. It's really irrelevant in the grand scheme of things because the, the lessons that I talk about, I don't care what you do for a living, whether you're a journalist, whether you're a Navy SEAL, whether you're a law enforcement officer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a sanitation engineer, leadership is leadership. Teamwork is teamwork. Resiliency is resiliency. Our ability to communicate is the same. Our ability to identify tasks and mission and goals, those things are the same. Uh, You know, we have different verbiage and different environments, but all those things are the same. And if you can learn how to do them or appreciate how they're done in one of the most chaotic, dangerous situations out there, which is on the battlefield, then you absolutely should be able to do them within your own business. You just got to learn how to do it and it, um, and make it apply and implement it.
0: Because um, we have such a wide range of people who listen to this program, uh, people who are raising kids right now and, you know, up to people who are making pivots in their own career, I always like to talk to our guests, kind of take them back a little bit. I want to know more about how you decided that the military was for you and then how the SEALs was for you. What in your nature, in your background, in your upbringing made you turn that direction?
1: So, Christina, I would, uh, I I came from uh, a little bit of a military family. Uh, I don't want to say that, you know, my dad was active duty and I followed him around as a kid. Uh, My dad was in the military, but he had gotten out by the time I came along. But I heard his stories and he had some older gear. My dad was a paratrooper uh, and a rigger during the Vietnam War. Now, he never went over to Vietnam. He was here actually training other paratroopers and focused on that. But I love this stories, and I, I remember he had an old uh, parachute that the military had gotten rid of, and he had kept it, and I used to play with that as a kid. And I was just fascinated with this idea of jumping out of airplanes. And then my, um, you know, and then hearing the stories of my, my dad's father, my grandfather was a uh, uh, B-24 pilot in World War II, highly decorated, flew all his missions, you know, distinguished flying cross, uh, multiple air medals. My great uncle was a pilot who got shot down and, and died in the Pacific. Uh, my mother's father I fought in World War II also. So I just grew up with this great appreciation for um, warriors and also for patriotism, these individuals who are willing to give back to their country with everything up to their lives, like my, like my great uncle had done. And um, it was just a fire that was in me from a young age. Originally, I thought I was going to be a pilot like my grandfather. And... Um, you know, I was uh you know, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old, G.I. Joe was really popular back then and I was uh really fascinated with some of the special operations characters that they had within that and started reading a lot about different uh, special forces, the Green Berets, the Rangers, and I really had not heard anything about the SEALs. Uh, there was almost no information about them back in the late 80s. And my dad, though, had met some SEALs They had come through jump school, and he was familiar with the program. And as a kid, my parents divorced. I spent a little bit of time in the, the Virgin Islands, so I, had a, I, was a, I was a good swimmer. Um, And my dad knew that I liked to swim. He knew I liked the outdoors. And he knew I was looking at special operations. And he said, hey, there's a group of guys. They're called Navy SEALs. Uh, If you're looking to be one of the best, these guys are the toughest out there. So I started researching it. And um, fortunately, there was a guy in my church who was kind of a special operations aficionado. He had all this, he had, he had collected a whole bunch of stuff, articles, magazines, all kinds of stuff. And he had quite a bit of information on the SEAL teams. And I just ate it up. Uh, I just said, this is what I want to do. Uh, I don't know what sparked that fire within me. I was not like some you know star athlete or anything as a young teenager um you know if anything i was probably the proverbial 90 pound weakling back then um but i had a fire in me and something within me that if you told me i couldn't do something it only drove me to want to do it more so about the age of 14 i made the statement i'm going to be a seal and i never looked back
0: Wow, was it I mean, you had obviously a long and very successful career, uh, you know, until your injury, but did you uh, was it when you got in, was it everything you thought it would be?
1: <laughs> well, I love that you said a long and successful career. Um, and and for all intents and purpose, I absolutely did. but it is funny that's a great question. Was it all I thought it was going to be because I lost my way at one point. I actually accelerated really good and uh or really well and found myself uh in a leadership position i found myself as an instructor i got selected for a commissioning program so it was everything i had hoped it to be um although prior to 9 11 we were in a peacetime military and, uh, and I did some work down in Central and South America, but I think all of us, uh, young men, you come into the military, you come into any kind of, especially elite special operations unit, I think you think you're going to be conducting you know, missions all over the world. And in some ways you are, but it is not the hardcore direct action movie, the uh, things that Hollywood likes to depict, or at least that is not happening on a regular basis. Uh, it wasn't until 9-11 happened that suddenly all that changed, and overnight suddenly literally we were living the idea uh or i guess this romantic notion i had as a kid of what it was to be a seal or a frontline special operations warrior but the interesting thing is that the more you're in combat um you see both the best and worst of humanity in intense combat um you know coming full circle back to Baghdadi you saw the level of violence and depravity that people have out there the things they're willing to do to another human being and then you saw the flip side of the coin you were serving with some of the most courageous amazing individuals who literally were willing to put their life on the line every single night you know to go out on a mission and before we went out we all kind of looked at each other and knew this may be the last mission we ever go out on uh, and and do it night after night after night. So it was at that point that I really think I had come full circle and i had made some, you know, I kind of alluded to, uh, I had kind of lost my way as a young leader and, uh, had to get cor- course corrected. Thanks to some leadership. That whole story is told in my book, the It." but the bottom line, it was quite this evolution over my career, um, with probably a little too much of a romantic notion of what combat is and then getting into combat, having the reality of what combat is, which both brings out the best and worst, and then uh, really kind of seeing what the highest levels of special operations are and what these amazing guys and gals can do.
0: When um, when you are injured, I want to ask about this, um, because most people will never be a Navy SEAL. They will never be injured in in combat. How did you get through that? How did you find the fortitude to get through it? What helped you? Um, what gave you support?
1: So yeah, I, I hope that no one out there ever encounters severe battlefield trauma. It is incredibly hard to go through. Uh, high caliber machine guns, high caliber, or you know, large explosives do a lot of damage. I um, I'll be honest. I how I think I accelerated from it, and my second book really gets deep into this. Overcome, which comes out December tenth. Uh, I was really prepared for that moment, and the reason being, I alluded to that leadership mistake I had made in my career where I had to, I had to course correct, and uh, I really had to humble myself. I'd, uh, I, I made a mistake, I made a bad call on a mission that no one was injured, no one was killed, but it did damage my, my leadership credibility. And it took about two years to very slowly earn back the trust and respect of my teammates. And I'll be honest, it was the hardest road I've ever walked. And by the time I got to the end of that journey and had earned back that respect and earned back my place, uh, had my career back on track, was getting ready to screen for the next level of SEAL team was when I was severely wounded. Um, But the interesting thing about that is because of this really hard journey that I had walked, you know, literally, climbing out of this deep dark hole it prepared me for that moment to be severely wounded and i look back on everything i've been through in my life i'd look i've been through you know seal training uh, i've been through ranger school at this point and i've been through this hard um redemption journey and i said you know what I can do this also. So one of the big things that I tell people out there, you know, that's how you build resiliency is you have to do things that make you uncomfortable. You have to pick yourself up after you fall down and not just quit and not just leave it alone. If you get up and you drive forward, it's going to make you stronger and better and you're going to be better prepared for those other future, what I call life ambushes, those storms on the horizon. Uh, You'll be better prepared for them. So that's how I really overcame that because i I was ready. And I had the mental fortitude and the resiliency that was built that I just said, okay, I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to look at what I lost. I'm only I'm only going to look at how I move forward. And I'm going to figure out how to make the new best version of myself.
0: Wow. And then you felt, did you feel like you had to do that again once you retired? I mean, you know, you you were thinking you didn't have a story to tell. And someone that you met said, no, you absolutely have a story to tell. I mean, what was it that kept you from wanting to share that message um, with, with the world once you had gone through it?
1: Uh, I think a lot of it is coming from a special operations community. I mean, we pride ourselves on saying, hey, we are the quiet professionals. You know, we don't talk about the nature of our work. And I felt like that's what I was doing. And and I know there are some out there that may feel that way. But at the end of the day, what I've come to focus on is, is how I make it relatable to every human out there. I mean, I, I've come full circle in my thinking, and I sometimes – you know, we never know why God puts us through the the incredible hard things that we go through. But I tell you what I firmly believe now. I've lost a lot of friends, and I don't know why. Friends who were much better SEALs than I were, I'll tell you that right now. And I don't know why God decided, well, I'm going to take that guy, but I'm going to leave you here. So I feel it. Um, that I got a second chance and that I I have to give back. Like, I have to do something with this gift that I got. Like, I have to take these lessons I learned and pay them forward and to continue to make sure that people recognize the sacrifice of our veterans, they understand the freedom and the opportunities we have in this country. And, two, if I can help them be the best version of themselves from these hard lessons I've been through, then that's what's become my focus. And I think that's where I – that has become my new purpose in life post-military. And uh, as, as with many journeys of purpose, when we, re- re- we uh, have to reinvent ourselves, you know, sometimes we kind of bounce along. We throw things at the wall and some things stick and some things don't. And you finally drill down onto this is it. And uh, from the time I retired until only a couple of years ago, I think I finally settled on, hey, you got a second chance. This is it. So get out there and try and help others be the best version of themselves.
0: What is your life like today? Have you recovered 100% from your injuries? Um, What do you like to do in retirement? What is your average day like now?
1: So I I will say that... um, You know, have I recovered fully from my injuries? I will say that I am close to my new 100%, and that's something that I try to explain to a lot of people out there. You know, for anybody in life that sustains some sort of traumatic event, what I call a life ambush, whether it is a physical one, a mental one, or an emotional one, and oftentimes they they are packaged together, you're never going to be quite the same. You're never going to be the full 100% of yourself that existed prior to that incident. But what you can figure out how to become is the new version, the new 100% version of yourself. Um, and, and And it is a hard journey because we carry the mental, we carry the emotional scars, and obviously if there was a physical injury or illness, you carry the physical scars that you have to overcome. So for me, I have all three. And uh, there were definite limitations. I mean, I took two very large rounds in my left elbow, which originally they planned. they talked about amputating my arm. Uh, I had some amazing doctors that managed to rebuild it. but I have, I still have major limitations. I have nerve damage, um, I have uh, restricted mobility. But I decided that I wasn't going to let it stop me. I mean I had spent you know a better part of my life maintaining a high level of fitness. So, Today, I'm back to that. Uh, I I try and work out five or six days a week. Um, You know, My focus is on, I teach something called the Pentagon of Peak Performance, which are five key areas that I tell people, if you can devote a little bit of time each day to these five key areas, you will be balanced as a leader and you will be better prepared for the storms and the life ambushes that are out there on the horizon. It's physical leadership, mental leadership emotional leadership, social leadership, and spiritual leadership. So I make sure that Every day I try and put a little bit of time into those areas, and it's exactly what I'm teaching. So I want to live what I'm teaching others. It's what I talk about in my new book. It's what my coaching program, The Overcome Army, is built on this. And, uh, you know, my day is built around those things, on how uh, I'm developing content, how I'm working with coaching clients, how I'm reaching out to companies where I can come in and help them. So many companies in this day and age – Um, change is happening. Change is probably the biggest buzzword that's going on in this country because with technology, the pace that information moves, the pace that the market moves. Companies are constantly changing. Companies are being acquired. Companies are having to make, uh, you know, pivots due to some change in the market, some change in technology. So, uh, so often I come in and I speak to a company and that's one of the biggest things that they're doing. So, if I'm not living it, how can I successfully stand in front of them and deliver a key message? Um, You know, it's one thing that I learned in the SEAL teams. It's a whole other thing that I have to be implementing in my life and in my business and learning it from other businesses that I'm speaking to. So um, that's what I'm doing day to day. You know, I work with my lovely wife, my long haired admiral. She helps me (laughs) grow the business and, my, my family is probably my most important thing. Um, you know, I love spending time with them. And one of the great things about being an entrepreneur and um, running your own business is, uh, aside from when I'm on the road, I can be there and do things with my family. Like, for instance, my my. Oldest daughter is real big in the sports and in the fitness. Uh, so before she goes to school, she gets up and goes and gets a workout in. So this morning I got up at, you know, 5 o'clock, and we went and we got a workout in before she went to school. And those, those are the things that mean the most to me. And those are the things that I try and tell people in the end is what's going to matter the most for you. Because take it from a guy who laid on the battlefield dying and having to confront death in that moment and thinking, I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to see my wife and kids again. I'm not going to celebrate another Christmas. I'm not going to go trigger-treating with my kids again. Uh, it is a heartbreaking moment. And not once did I think about any of the things that I had. I didn't, I, not once did I think, gosh, how much money's in my retirement account? Or, gee, I wonder what my truck's doing right now because I really miss it. I really love my truck. You don't care about any of that stuff. So not that stuff's not important, but I tell you what, build those relationships. For me, it's one of the most important things. And uh, I love being with my family. I love doing things with my family. I love watching my kids grow and find uh, their purpose and passion.
0: Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Beautifully said. Uh, um, you know, I asked this of all my guests, so I'll ask this of you. Um, you obviously are involved in a lot of creative endeavors now, uh, building your content and, and with your, your new businesses. So talk to me about your uh, creative replenishment. How do you, when you need to solve a problem think about an issue write some curriculum what do you do to to unplug or plug into your creativity is there an activity uh, that you do is there uh I mean, do you do yoga do you work out what do you do Yeah, for
1: me, definitely a lot of times it's during workouts that, you know, that's my me time. Uh, That's when, you know, I'm able to plug in the music and I'm just focused on working out. And oftentimes a lot of creative ideas will pop in then. And I will, uh, you know, I'll take a break in my workout, obviously, if there's a little bit of, uh, you know, genius that popped up or maybe a new content or a new thought process. Um, Oftentimes, I'm developing speeches. Um, For instance, right now, I'm super honored. I got invited to do a TEDx up in Boston the end of November. And um, so already my brain, you know, in the back of my head is already constantly thinking about how am I going to put together my message into this very succinct, powerful 15-minute format. So typically it's when I'm working out. A lot of time when I'm driving, I like to, um, you know, just think about uh, I'll write speeches often when I'm driving. I, uh, if I have a short trip where um, it's only three or four hours, I'd rather drive because I can get so much, <clears throat> excuse me. I'd rather drive because oftentimes it's during those three or four hour drives where I'm getting the creativity and I'm thinking through, you know, how this would flow. So those are those are the moments for me. And then, you know, the other thing is sometimes I reckon I push myself hard. Anybody that knows me knows I run uh, uh, nonstop if I have any... Um, I don't know if I want to say it's a weakness. It's in my area of social leadership. I need sometimes to do a better job to make more time to hang out with friends um, because I'm just going. And I realize that sometimes I have to take a break. Like I'm up against the wall and I'm kind of redlining and I'm not – I haven't taken care of myself, and I try and tell people, you know, you can't be creative and you can't be your best version of yourself if you don't find those ways to take care of yourself. So sometimes I have to do the same. I'll tell my wife, I'm like, man, I'm going to have to take a day off or maybe two days off just to clear my mind. And when I do that, um, I like to ride my motorcycle. I like to Thing like I said, I like to do things with my kids. One of our favorite activities is skiing, so we uh, we're pretty excited. We're doing a big skiing vacation for the uh, for New Year. We're going to ring in the New Year on the ski mountain. So those are the times where it gives me a mental break, and oftentimes I'll come out of that with brand new ideas and brand new flow patterns.
0: Yes, the curse of the entrepreneur—you know, being too 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 quickly paced and not taking that me time. But yeah, you're right. So important to clear your head to be able to get those new ideas and bring some of those uh, skills from your old life into your new life. Uh, Well, tell us where we can reach out to you. I know you have the new book coming out, Overcome, uh, which would make a great Christmas present, right? Because it comes out in December.
1: That's right. Overcome comes out uh, December 10th. It is available for presale now. So if you go to jasonredman.com, you you can see books up there. You can click on that and it'll take you right to the presale page. And uh, I'm really proud of this book. This is an amazing book that I think is just going to help a ton of people. Uh, You've heard me talk tonight, or you've heard me talk about Uh, life ambushes. And every single person on this planet goes through life ambushes. Uh, The average person, as a matter of fact, we write in the book, will typically go through about five major life ambushes. Everything from the lower ends of a relationship breakup, all the way to the higher ends of the unexpected loss of someone close to you. One of the highest things I've seen, the unexpected loss of a child, and then everything in between. And so many people out there They have these life ambushes happen, and it just crushes them. It takes them either A, so long to finally recover from it, or B, there's quite a few people out there that never recover from it. Um, You know, we write about this in the book. There are some people that actually become lesser versions of who they are, and that life ambush becomes an excuse for every form of bad behavior that exists. And then there's the other people who... Uh, they stop living. They're afraid to take any kind of risk because they're afraid to go through pain like that again uh, But the reality is you, you can't let that slow you down in this life You know, they're learning points and they're points that will make you stronger if you're willing to learn from them and embrace them And the same thing applies for a company as it or as an individual because companies go through life ambushes also So the book runs through uh, How we deal with those things how we mentally physically and emotionally prepare ourselves for those things. If you're in a life ambush, it walks you through how to get out of one, and then it teaches you how to be proactive so you're better prepared for them for the future. So really excited about this book. I've got some great contributors, uh, Stan McChrystal, Bill McRaven, some very high level military leaders contributed to the book, and I think it's gonna help a lot of people.
0: Wonderful. Jason Redmond. uh, let me say thank you for your service and thank you for your interview today. Fantastic.
1: Christina, thanks so much for having
0: me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jason Redman, retired Navy SEAL, author of The Trident and the upcoming Overcome. Uh, Just Google him and you'll find him. He's out there and he's got a fabulous coaching business that he's launched with his wife, as he told you about. He's a speaker and he told me he's got an upcoming event up in Boston. He's going to be in a TEDx up there and he'll be speaking as well if you're in that area of the country. By the way, I am done now with the book Lifespan. I told you about that during the last show. It's um, it's a great book. It's called Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To by David Sinclair. He is the Harvard PhD that studies genetics and aging. Fascinating book, especially if you're a bit of a science geek like I am. Uh, so I have reached out to him. He answered back. I'm gonna be interviewing him very soon. And that'll be coming up in the next couple of podcasts. We're going to talk about how to keep our telomeres long, (laughs) enhance our cancer-fighting genes, and live healthier lives. And don't forget each morning to check us out on the KFBK Morning News on News 93.1 FM. Sam, Shane, and I are there every weekday from 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. And we're doing deeper stories, more relevance, context, lots of perspectives. You can also find that show daily on your iHeartRadio app just uh, download the iHeartRadio app and do a search for KFBK, and you'll find us there. You can listen to us worldwide. Even my daughter in Australia listens to us. So thanks to my sponsors, New Age Aerial, New Age Designs, reach out anytime reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can catch me on my website, com, and uh, there's a contact form there. So reach out with any other guests you might like to hear on the podcast. And if you have time, I would love to leave, have you leave me a review on either iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, that also really does help out. This has been A Fresh Agenda. I'm Christina Mendonza. Talk to you soon. Let's stay connected conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda.